Hello, I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional. It is sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Special thanks, as usual, to one of our top contributing patrons today, Katie. Thank you, as always, Ooh. for your support. Therapist Next Door podcast is 100% listener-funded and commits that we will never work with advertisers. We don't believe that it is our business or our job to tell you what kind of mattress to buy or encourage you to give money to an exploitative therapy service. <laughs> As we believe that labor should be paid, we ask that listeners who are able to contribute, contribute what they can so that we can continue to be a platform to clinicians who further stigmatize mental health and demystify therapy. Every episode, we thank one of our top contributing patrons. Thank you again, Katie. Learn more about perks and ways to support us at patreon.com slash tndpodcast. That's patreon.com slash tndpodcast. For easy access, visit our Instagram at tndpod and find the link in our bio. So let's get on to our show. This week, we welcome Rachel Dornanu, who works as a therapist and owner of Sage Counseling and Wellness welcome everyone to therapist next door the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker we do this by interviewing someone in a helping profession asking questions that you are dying for the answers to and answering questions you didn't know you had i'm joanna a board certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of pennsylvania I'm a white, straight, cisgendered female, and my pronouns are she, hers. And before I go on, I don't know if the, I have I have a very embarrassing confession to make. Sure. So do you want me to make it or do you want to go first? No, please make it. Now. Okay, I'll make it now. This is very, this is a true, true story. It's embarrassing. You are uh, building all sorts yeah, of skulls. And so um, I... Until very recently thought that Atlantis was real. Okay, not like I didn't believe that there were people under the ocean doing their cool stuff. I thought that Atlantis was truly a city that had fallen into the ocean and that we were trying to find out where it was. I did not realize that it is an allegory, 100%. To the point where I said to my husband, maybe Atlantis is like an allegory and it's not a real place and he didn't really say anything to me at that point but then I was watching Wakanda forever spoiler that Atlantis is involved and I was like here's a great thing for me to Wikipedia before bed Atlantis I'll just like learn all about it like in the first paragraph my my world was shaken in that I it was like wow it's not real at all I don't think that's embarrassing. And I'm, so, <laughs> I don't think that's, I think we have so many like whimsical, funny things that we are made to believe that, and you know me, Joanna, like I like, will I will read things. And if they are not worded the exact correct way, I like, don't know what it says. <laughs> I last night realized that a brown noser is called that because they like kiss someone's butt and get like, Ew, what? I didn't realize I that. Didn't- <laughs> to do with like brownie points or something oh wait i might be wrong anyway but i so i i do that often (laughs) like make like a tree and leaf took me a very long time to get that and then i was like why are they making fun of biff for saying make like a tree and get out of here in uh back to the future too anyway yeah uh so 
Uh, so yeah. also for anyone else, Atlantis isn't real. Plato made it up as an allegory. Oh, I didn't it. know Plato was the Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Plato. Yeah, but like he was like, this I made up to describe this. And, and I was also, just like, that is, I thought it was like a, a, a lost city that we were trying to, that we were still trying to find. That's like also some early, like, like, I'd be gentle with this, but like some early like white supremacist nonsense that like there we are we've always been so great. There must have been something greater that we had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not embarrassing. I love it. And I am Sarah. I'm an LPC from <laughs> Pennsylvania, transplanted from South Jersey. I'm a cisset white woman. My pronouns are she, her. And I recently emceed my first rally. Woo! Sorry for that loud yell. That's what I had to do because the loud yell I had to do a lot of because immediately the police showed up and told us that we couldn't use our amplification system like our megaphone. So I was I was the one like leading some chants. I brought on some speakers. I introduced our group over and over again. And awesome. it was very cool. I was very tired at the end of it and like just like, you know, stiff with adrenaline the whole time. And I was like pissed the whole time. And it was a wonderful experience. Also, just as we'll get to talking to about on this episode, as a sensitive person at the end of it, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm never getting out of bed again. But it was a really cool thing that I got to be a part That's of. So obviously, cool. obviously, like it, it, we were there, you know, full disclosure. And I guess this was a couple weeks ago at this point, by the time this episode comes out, but we were there um, in solidarity for the family of uh, Tyree Nichols, mm -hmm. as many protests were all over the country. And it was a wonderful experience being around a bunch of folks that were also there showing up for the same reason. It was just, you know, we're all just like yelling on a, in front of a courthouse in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It was an amazing experience. Uh, awesome. And we got to meet some cool people who are, you know, tired of what we're living in. But yeah, I was scared. And I kept just saying, uh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And then people would try to comfort me and I'd be like, it's no, no. You know what? Just, just like, don't even talk to me about it. Cause you, you don't know how to come. <laughs> Cause like, no I one, don't know. Yeah. No um, yeah. I wonder, you know, we, we are going to talk about highly sensitive persons later on in this episode. And we'll explain what that is. Mm -hmm. I, I just, just like thinking about the, the performer and like, how that factors into it. Cause I feel like sometimes it's just an out of body experience when I'm performing. It's just like flip switches and this other Joanna emerges and she's doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's like full yeah. on dissociation. I completely know what you're talking about. Like sometimes performance can come a little easy. Other times you are, can't feel your hands or you mm -hmm. can't feel your limbs and your voice is not working. And we're not talking stage for, or maybe we are, maybe stage fright is just a, uh, kind of like I don't know yeah. like derivative term for like this actual experience of being so being so sensitive and being so fearful potentially of what could happen um yeah, I agree. being of like a really intense anime scene where like my anxiety is building and then I'm like no I'm harnessing this power for good and I like hold it and then like jump out on stage and do some stand-up or something yes what you've done and yeah. that's that's exactly <laughs> it yeah I love it yeah. I love it so much. Or yeah. a podcast where we talk about ourselves. <laughs> or we talk about Alan. <laughs> we yeah. thought Atlantis was real. Like, he told my mom and she was like, okay. She's like, shh, 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 shh. Stop telling people. You could tell everyone. I think I, I just love the whimsy of those things that we like 
going on like dog walks when I was younger and seeing like filters from cigarettes I thought those were owl pellets for the longest time and I was like there are so many owls around here it is so like why it's haven't I freaking seen owls but there are owls because my parents go they go out into their backyard and they call the owls and it came and it almost like got our heads which is like also very deep anyway i'm getting into a lot of things i I never lived in a place where there were enough owls to make me think that like cigarette butts could be owl pellets and and that's like just an experience i haven't had yeah i think it was like you know like when they bring you to the audubon society and you look in the little thing and you're like oh that's an owl pellet cool i think i think when you showed me one a couple weeks ago that was the first time i'd seen (laughs) one (laughs) i love it so much Uh, do you have any keeping of the house I don't think so. Yeah, as usual, I don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to say no. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you don't. <laughs> That's nice. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe I'll we confidently will the say the same. I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to our history lesson for today. Let's do it. And now it's time for our lesson. The lesson is compiled facts describing history and or current events or terms, good and bad, in order to give context for the field our interviewee works in. All right, Joanna, we have a couple sources for today. I'm super excited. We have, um, nope, we have a website entitled hsperson.com. That's by uh, Dr. Elaine Aaron. We also have an article entitled, What is a Highly Sensitive Person or HSP by Elizabeth Scott, PhD, by a Very Well Mind. No content warning for today. Joanna, I'm going to start us off by asking you some questions you do not need to answer, yes. but I, I, you I can know, you can, them. yeah, do you want me you to? You can answer. You can also ponder mm. looking off into the distance curiously. Okay. Um, all right. Are you easily overwhelmed by such things as bright colors, strong smells, coarse fabrics, or sirens nearby? Yes. Do you get rattled when you have to do a lot in a short amount of time? Yes. Do you make a point of avoiding violent movies and TV shows? No. Do you need to withdraw during busy days into bed or a darkened room or some other place? Wait until I finish <laughs> where you can have privacy and relief from the situation. Yes. <laughs> Do you make it a high priority to arrange your life to avoid upsetting or overwhelming situations? Yes. That's why I go to the grocery store early in the morning. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going in an hour and it's going How? to be actual hell. I know. How? Yeah, I'm going on Super Bowl Sunday. Like, sick of that. Okay. Do you know? Because I'm out of bagels. <laughs> And I'm out of eggs, which I need in order for my mornings as a HSP to go well. Anyway, do you notice or enjoy delicate or fine scents, tastes, sounds, or works of art? I do. Do you have a rich and complex inner life? 100%. When you were a child, did your grown-ups see you as a sensitive or shy person? Yes. All right. So um, I took the HSP quiz on this website and I got a 22. And you need Mm -hmm. to be a 14 in order to be it's not like a diagnosis they specify but you need a yeah. above a 14 to be an hsp and i believe you took the quiz as well i did i'll take the quiz spoiler alert for later in the episode and i got a 20 nice yes so let's talk about what a highly sensitive person is a highly sensitive person or an hsp is a neurodivergent individual who is thought to have an increased or deeper central nervous system sensitivity to physical, emotional, or social stimuli. Some refer to this as having sensory processing sensitivity or SPS for short. It's a lot of S's Mm, in that sentence. Yes. Yes. While highly sensitive people are sometimes negatively described as being quote, too sensitive. It is a personality trait that brings both strengths and challenges. 
Mm. Yeah, I also wonder how many therapists would be considered HSPs. Probably most. Yes. Yes. So Dr. Elaine Aaron began researching high sensitivity in 1991 and continues to do research on it now, also calling it sensory processing sensitivity, SPS, which is the trait scientific term. And I'm assuming this is a little bit different from sensory processing disorder, but Mm -hmm. related. She said she never planned to write any self-help books, but those who had this trait seem to gain a great deal from knowing about it. If you are highly sensitive or your child is, Dr. Aaron lists these important reminders. Your trait is normal. It is found in 15 to 20% of the population. Too many to be a disorder, but not enough to be well understood by the majority of those around you. Or just like masked forever. Um until you don't understand why you're reacting the way you're reacting. It is innate. In fact, biologists have found that over a hundred species, and there are probably more from fruit flies, birds, and fish to dogs, cats, horses, and primates. This trait reflects a certain type of survival strategy being observant before acting. The brains of highly sensitive persons actually work a little differently than others. You are more aware of others' subtleties. This is mainly because your brain processes information and reflects on it more deeply. So even even if you wear glasses, for example, you see other you see more than others by noticing more. You are also more easily overwhelmed. If you notice everything, you are naturally going to be overstimulated when things are too intense, complex, chaotic, or novel for a long time. This trait is not a new discovery, but it has been misunderstood because HSPs prefer to look before entering new situations. They are often called shy, which is how you would describe me when I first meet you. But shyness is not learned. Sorry, shyness is learned, not innate. In fact, 30% of HSPs are extroverts, although the trait is often mislabeled as introversion. It also has been called inhibitedness, fearfulness, or neuroticism. What negative terms. Some HSPs behave in these ways, but is not innate to do so and not the basic trait. And the last point is that sensitive sensitivity is valued differently in different cultures. In cultures where it is not valued, HSPs tend to have low self-esteem. They are told don't be so sensitive so that they feel abnormal. Two thumbs medium, not up <laughs> or down. Yeah, I think that's also just like, let's stop labeling things as introversion and extroversion. <laughs> Can we just like... Yeah, it's almost like everything binary is terrible. Uh... So, and it doesn't serve us at all. So, you know, it's not going to... Yeah, I was trying to think of like a binary that I can make fun of and like... Men and women? No, let's not even go there. Female masculine, how's that sound? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, stay tuned after this break as we talk to our guests for today. It was such a pleasure to talk to Rachel and um, kind of realize that I'm an HSP. So enjoy that progress. And 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 Sarah also realizing it, she's at a later step than I am that she's also an HSP. So congratulations. Yeah, we are. Thank you. And uh, stay tuned. Rachel Dornanu, MS, LPC, NCC, is an individual and premarital couple psychotherapist. She works with ages 16 and up. Her specialties include anxiety, assertiveness, highly sensitive people, HSP, concerns, perfectionism, and premarital counseling. 
Her latest service is sex therapy. She offers online sessions for Georgia residents and makes therapy convenient and easy to fit into a busy life. Clients that work with her appreciate her humor and straightforward, adaptable approach. They like that she meets them where they are and works on goals together. Welcome. Hello, Rachel. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. At least when we're recording this, happy Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Rachel, it's wonderful to have you with us. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? Yeah, gosh. I mean, where do you want me to start? I'm obsessed with what I do. Yeah. Well, I would love to hear if we want to start like from the, from now to the back, (laughs) if we could talk about (laughs) sex therapy first, that Mm -hmm. would be wonderful. Yeah, that's been super fun. So I don't know if whoever's listening is aware of the Bueller Institute, Dr. Stephanie Bueller, obsessed with her super smart lady. Just finished her 150-hour comprehensive sexology program, which is a doozy. So that's been super fun of just learning and growing and making sure I am as aware as humanly possible of all the things about sex. So that's been, wow, what an eye-opener. Never a dull moment in sessions, which is one of my favorite things. And uh, yeah, it's been really, really fun. And then applying that to premarital counseling is super fun, especially being in the Bible Belt of trying to explore intimacy, whether it's in individual sessions or premarital sessions of how do I express myself confidently? How do I express myself with setting boundaries with my partner or whomever I interact with? That's super fun for me, especially the very like shelter conservative people. Oh, those are my people. So fun. But uh, so yeah, sex therapy. And then where would you like me to go from there? I mean, I I can go so many different avenues. <laughs> well, after our initial phone call, I had written down sex down south. I would oh. love for you to talk about that. <laughs> it, for those of you listening, my eyes got real big because it is a very fun conference. Uh, oh, it's a conference. I didn't even know. <laughs> okay, that sounds fun. So uh, free shout out plug for sex down south. Obsessed. I started as an intern. And with going, I'm just observing and be like, what am I about to get myself into? Do I want to even delve into sex related things? And then I went there and I was obsessed. So it's from what I can remember with pregnancy brain is that it's a three day conference in Atlanta, usually around September ish each year. And there are vendors, like entire long tables full of vendors and They have all sorts of rooms set up with presenters, and it can be either for sex educators, sex therapists, just sex enthusiasts, which is really fun. So it's truly however you show up is how you're accepted. It's easily the most accepted I've ever felt in a room in my entire life. As soon as you walk in, everyone's like, hey, I don't know who the heck you are, but I really like you anyway. I was like, wow, okay, yes, these are very happy, wonderful, just vibrant people that are willing to share what they know. And if they don't know it, then they're willing to go and research and ask somebody and then bring them over. It's such a community kind of vibe. So highly recommend if you guys get a random setup in September to come and hang out and learn and grow and really cool. If anything, have some really eye-opening things at 8 a.m., 9 a.m. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I'll definitely link that in our show notes. That sounds so cool. 
It is big, big fan. Yeah. Joanne and I have talked on this show before about our own and Joanna, stop me if you don't want me to speak for you, but our <laughs> own um, history of you're not mentioning uh, religion or Christianity, but I, I'm picking up some undertones, but we have like our own experience of going to like, like, uh, like religious sleepaway camp and having these reflecting back on them in our thirties, pretty like, uh, you know, not affirming to be kind experiences and, you know, uh, kind of unpacking that later in life. And I'm wondering if that shows up in the office for you at all, when we're talking about this incredibly accepting community and mentioned some conservative clients as well, again, not to assume, but is there anything there that you'd like to talk about? Sure. Gosh. I mean, I'm, you know, respecting HIPAA and confidentiality, but I I've had some clients of where just even saying the word sex is a big no, no. So having to make sure that they feel comfortable saying it to themselves, writing it down, getting to slowly saying it out loud with me, eventually saying it out loud to their partner. I mean, we are starting foundational 101 here, which is fantastic. And I love where they are of, okay, that's where we are. Cool awareness. There's no judgment here. Seeing how this goes and, and helping them build confidence with figuring out what feels right for them, what feels comfortable with their beliefs. Cause I am happy to meet them where they are. If they believe in a higher power, great. If they believe in a blue couch, great. Does not matter to me. I just want to make sure that their beliefs and values are being respected, but also having some, what's the right word, flexibility in how they express themselves and figuring out, does this feel okay for me? How do I know that it feels okay? And gives a lot of that really slow awareness has been so fun for me. And it's fun to watch them have that progress of, oh, okay. So I had sex with my partner the other night. I was like, oh, you did. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) It was so fun. It's fun to watch them grow. And then uh, I'm at least the way that I work, I'm a really, really big fan of workbooks and giving books for homework and worksheets and exercises and interventions that they have really, if anything, ways to make sure their skills are sticking Mm. rather than just to me, typical talk therapy where you just come in and you talk and you vent and you leave. I want to make sure that you are extremely psychoeducated by the time that you end with me. So that's really fun too. Yeah. And I imagine that having those workbooks and and worksheets maybe helps a client who's not as comfortable with sex just like look it's written down here and like you can encounter that on your own time like it's it's kind of like a nice transitional object to like continue talking about sex absolutely i mean especially my perfectionist the ones that are their brains are so academic and very school minded that they love having homework They're like, yes, something I can achieve, something I can do and then turn in and know that I got a, in their mind, an A in therapy that, oh, they love that. So I'm happy to supply that help soothe their brain. That's fun. I would have loved to have had a space (laughs) during deconstruction where a therapist was not shaming me for feeling shame almost, Mm -hmm. right? Like this like really horrible and traumatizing experience of you know, feeling that sex is dangerous and sex is harmful and, you know, on the innocent end, it's just bad. And then having to deconstruct and then entering into spaces, trying to heal from that and just kind of almost being like mocked or like having it not be taken as seriously that you've had so much shame about it and kind of like getting like pushed into talking about things that you're not as, you're not as comfortable with. So I'm just like truly so appreciative that you're offering this space to people. 
who are themselves trying to just feel more comfortable about something that's very natural um, Mm. without making them feel badly for something bad they had to experience. Absolutely. No, I, I appreciate you sharing that of just Mm. your, your experience as well. The, the more we share of our background, you know, comfortably as therapists, you know, it's disclosure, but it is always so nice to interact with people that are willing to share even a bit of their story. So I appreciate what you guys do with your podcast. Oh, thank you. Can I bring into a little bit about perfectionism? Cause I saw Ooh. this this week and it made me feel a certain way. So uh, this is a title from cnbc.com and it's called a psychotherapist shares five way, five types of perfectionists and Ooh. what makes them so successful. I'm going to send it to you right now i'm about to be educated i know i feel like sarah could probably guess my feelings about this and i don't know where we're going it was just something that came up this week and i was like oh yeah i have feelings about this so right off the bat uh success right the word success yes Um, also like words (laughs) like productivity they are completely framed from from a capitalist nature that we are showing up in a way that harms us, but we are contributing to an exploitative economy that is going to want us to, uh, you know, metaphorically work our fingers to a bone. Mm-hmm. Um, can I read these? Yes. And so out? this is like a psychotherapist. I think her name is Catherine Morgan Schaeffler. She oh. gave, came up with these. And Rachel, I like definitely want to hear your, if you feel comfy. Yeah. Reaction. <laughs> I'm like really springing this on all of us because yeah. I saw it on an Instagram <laughs> So we have, I'll just list the five subheadings. We have the intense perfectionist. We have the classic perfectionist. We have the Parisian perfectionist. We have the procrastinator perfectionist. And we have the messy perfectionist. Uh So Rachel, wondering just these very easy, uh, very strict classifications. What is your (laughs) initial response to this? Well, I have a lot of different thoughts. So (laughs) my, my first thought Uh, The person that I, the main person I learned from first about perfectionism in general was just about from Sharon Martin on, if you guys know her, I'm obsessed with her. Wow. So she talks about the three main types of perfectionists, which is self-oriented, other oriented and socially prescribed. And so to me, that's a little bit easier to digest of, is it about me? Is it about others? Or do I feel like someone's imposing it on me compared to these five? I don't know. Well, I feel like those three are also like, uh, backed up by research as well. Right. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) So I I don't know a thing about this Catherine lady. I am happy to creep on her later. (laughs) Um, Sorry if we're calling you out. No, it's cool. It's cool. I, I think it's. Interesting. I can definitely see where there's pieces that fit. Absolutely. I'm I'm looking at some of the definitions here of being highly reliable, consistent, detail oriented for the classic a hundred percent. Yes. That fits strong capacity for empathy with the Parisian perfectionist. I'm just trying to understand the Parisian part of what, why is it a perfectionist? Just, I'm curious. I'll, I'll go creep later, but probably something about us like fetishizing French people. Hmm. Okay. I guess like it's French people like to be interpersonally connected. Maybe. And then it looks like it can metastasize into <laughs> pleasing. What a word. I know, I'm surprised I said that right the first time. That was <laughs> That's good. Uh, so toxic people pleasing. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can understand that to me. That sounds like an HSP personally is the the empath 
and people pleasing and let mm. me do whatever I can to not rock the boat so I can have a calm center. That sounds like an HSP to me. The procrastinator piece, perfectionists can have procrastination. So I get that. The messy one, would that not tie in with procrastination a tad though? I hmm, I will creep on this later. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just really, why do we need this? It just, it seems to just kind of like, I don't even like put a box on people's experiences. Like, I think the important thing is like, not all perfectionists are the same, but I don't need to be a Parisian one. Mm -mm. The only thing I can think of in terms of the labels, I mean, there's some people that really enjoy having a diagnosis. Yeah. I respect that. But for those that don't want to have that label, that can be kind of hurtful of, oh, well, if I have to be the Parisian perfectionist, then that's the only thing I'm allowed to be. That no, you could have all of them. I I'm out, I haven't read the article, but I know with at least the Sharon Martin version that it's you can technically have all three. I know I have all three mm-hmm. in some different stages of my life that I've been self-oriented, other-oriented, or socially prescribed perfectionism, and it takes a minute to process and have kindness and grace with yourself and move forward and try and get past some of that. It is a time process, and I hate to have someone be labeled forever with that. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And if I can add to this too, and to add, I guess to add mostly Joanna to what you were saying as well as it seems like there is also this, like, I'm going to identify this way. And then maybe that will discourage me from seeking out healing. Like I, I kind of get to like what sometimes I think that individuals can show up in a space and kind of own their attachment style. And then maybe not always find uh, reasons to, ch- you know, heal. I, I don't want to say that we all need to change, but I'm going to say that perfectionism is there's suffering that comes with it. And if you can figure out what areas of your life, like you said, Rachel, this, like what areas can I show up more kindly? Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't something that we need to hold on to, but I'm curious if someone who is a perfectionist shows up in your office, mm-hmm. obviously staying with HIPAA within HIPAA, right what are their intentions, right? Do they know this about themselves and they'd like to be less critical of themselves or are they wondering how they would like to build the world around them so that they can remain perfect? You know, what Uh, are folks showing up with? Honestly, everything. And that's what makes it most fun for me is for them, the ones that are so super aware, especially the HSPs that are perfectionists, because there's, I'm not saying there's like, was it? Oh, words are so hard today. Correlation is not causation. So correlation, that's the word. There we go. So there's correlation with HSP and perfectionism, HSP and ADHD. There's impasse. There's a lot of different cute little Venn diagram connections with, with all of HSP-ness. But with, with that said, that HSPs that are perfectionists, they're so so aware of themselves. Hi, welcome to the club. That it's it's really fun for them to be like, well, this is what's going on. This is what how I'm handling it. This is how I'm experiencing. I'm like, wow. So you're therapizing yourself. Congrats. Great. Can we slow it down a little though? Mm-hmm. And so those are really fun. And then I've had ones that'll come in and they'll think that it's anxiety. They'll think that it's family dynamics. They'll think that it's stress with work, whatever it might be. And then I break it down or I'll notice some of their unhelpful thinking patterns and be like, Hmm, I hear a lot of shoulds. (laughs) That sounds like a perfectionist. 
can, for funsies, can we run through the perfectionism breakdown, some psychoeducation 101 about it? And you tell me if that fits. And then they look and they're like, oh, so I've spent the past 40 years or so being a perfectionist. And I didn't know it. Hmm. Let me just deconstruct my entire life as I knew it <laughs> and have like a new foundation for my life. So that's really fun. Uh, I've had it with, especially couples that I've worked with that someone comes in, typically someone that's male identifying and they'll say something of, oh, well, I'm, I'm just handling that life. That's my expectation. That's how it's supposed to be. I was like, hmm, supposed to? Shoulds? Hmm. Keywords. And so <laughs> we'll, we'll just... <laughs> I feel like I feel like shoulds are like a cheat code for therapists. Oh, it's like, oh, oops, <laughs> you said it. Now we're there. Now, now we're here. We we've labeled where we are. That's mm-hmm. okay. we're just accepting that that's what's going on. And so for them to notice, oh, I have expectations because of this. Oh, I have expectations because my parents, my coach, an authority figure in my life when I was younger to even dig further back into that and then be able to share that with their partner. Oh, that is so fun. When I have like a little mental health couples education session is so fun for them to see their eyes light up and say, Oh, that's where that came from for you. Okay. So when you have that reaction, when you're triggered, that's what's going on. Got you. Now I know how to support you. That is oh, like, I get all chills and happiness just from having this <laughs> fun for me. That's great. And can you talk a little bit about what an HSP is, why they would seek therapy. Gosh, yeah, what a loaded question. I could I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so with being an HSP, it stands for highly sensitive persons, highly sensitive people, whatever word you want to throw in there. And so what's fun is that it's a personality trait. It's not a disorder. It's not a diagnosis. You can't get rid of it. There's not a pill for it. It's just part of who you are. Some fun facts is that it affects 20% of the world and it affects pretty equally men and women, male, female identifying individuals. And there, I think the biggest thing to stress is there's nothing wrong with you with being an HSP. I think that there's some people that maybe were told that, oh, you're too sensitive or, oh, toughen up, pick yourself up by your bootstraps from authority figures in their lives. When in reality, the person was sensitive and maybe they were empathic. Maybe they had something going on that maybe there was some trauma that happened and they're just really keenly aware of their environment now and they're taking care of themselves in the way they know how. So being aware of that piece is important, that there's nothing wrong with you. I promise there's full research Uh, Dr. Elaine Aaron, I believe is the one that coined the term in the eighties. You may have to double check me on the research on that. She has a really fantastic website and I'll make sure I send it to you guys. I can do it now. Actually, let me just put it in the chat. That'd be cute. (laughs) So that's one of the pages, but you can do a free quiz, figure out if you are an HSP. It can be, gosh, so many different things. It could be that you're affected by light, sound, distressing scenes. Like I know I can't watch a violent movie at night. I will not sleep period because my whole nervous system is on red alert. Uh, Maybe a loud noises, maybe a concert's too intense or itchy fabrics. I know that when I was a kid, I hated shopping. Holy moly. Did I hate it because it was the itchy tags and the little plastic things sticking in your sides and mm -mm, never ended well. My poor mother, (laughs) bless her heart. It smells weird and different when you get in your clothes. Absolutely. It's the last fluorescent lighting, 
strong smells, fireworks. I mean, gosh, I could go, yeah. but it's, it's fantastic to have that awareness. I know I figured out being, I was an HSP in summer of 2020. So hide the pandemic. And I was like, Hmm, I'm like extra affected. What's going on? Why am I so thrown off with having this? And so I did a little research, figured out these are my people, got the training through Dr. Elaine Aaron's training. And I'm just obsessed because being able to work with people that actually get me. And then I'm able to use the phrasing that I've experienced to explain to them and say, Oh, so blah, blah, blah is exactly how you're feeling. They're like, oh, get out of my head. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. But that, that whole website that I, I sent you guys, you're welcome to put them in the show notes and that kind of thing. Yeah, but sure. wow. You will learn a lot about yourself very quickly. I definitely think I'm going to go down that rabbit hole. I had a very similar beginning of the pandemic where I was like, I cannot take the lights in this house. We need to go buy lamps. Like, so let's gear up go to go to like the hardware store and get some lamps because like I cannot deal with these lights anymore because I I have like recessed lighting I hate it if recessed lighting yeah and it's it's like I think it's so valuable that you offer that because a lot of times it's a very lonely feeling Mm -hmm. or like people are just like why can't you just be okay with the lights you know and it's like Cause I can't. Yeah. Like I, you, yeah. So I think it's almost hard to explain. So like having someone who's just like, yeah, I get it. Totally, totally get it. And I think that something that's been helpful has been whenever, at least I lead sessions and I'm sure there's other therapists that do things differently that for me, whenever I'm educating somebody about something is that just really slowing it down of how do you learn best? What can I do to make sure that that's catered to them and personalizing it rather than, well, grad school taught me this one thing and therefore that's the only way it's screw grad school for a minute. What was <laughs> most helpful for you? More than a minute. <laughs> you can this Because I'm sure you guys have noticed in your therapy office as well, that a lot of grad school stuff was a foundation and option, but showing up as yourself and asking a client what they need is so, so different and appreciated, especially by HSPs of, oh, you took the time to actually see how I am when I'm catering to literally everyone else in my life. It feels really good to be catered to for a second. Oh, they love that. Do y'all feel the same way? What's your experience? Yeah. I think I might be an HSP as you're describing it. And I don't think I, I encountered this word before. So I'm kind of like, Okay. Uh, and, and just like the thought of like catering to everyone, even to the therapist, mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to make sure I like I'm dressed appropriately. And like, I don't take up too much space in the room and all this stuff. And like, I think it's so helpful to even come in on that ground level. Mm-hmm. Spot on. I mean, gosh, I've had so many times that what you just said of a client coming in and saying, well, I just want to make sure that you're comfortable. How are you? Are you okay? I'm like, what? Hang on surprisingly, the therapy that you're paying for is for you. (laughs) Wonder why. Can we focus on you? Can we make sure that you're okay? Forget me. I'm just here to help facilitate whatever it is that needs to happen in here. We don't need to have an agenda. We don't need to have anything that you come in with. If you didn't do homework, cool. Does not hurt my feelings. You did not fail therapy today. You had shit hit the fan. I hope it's okay that I cursed on here. but 100%. Whatever you come in with, cool. Let's talk about it. Let's make sure that you feel okay and at least somewhat calmed by the end of this. I I, I took the <laughs> I took the quiz this morning. Oh, and I scored a twenty-two. 
and welcome. You, thank you. Thank you. I'm waiting for my certificate, but you need to score above a 14, I believe. Yeah. Right. And I, and I think, so I've heard, I heard first of HSPs back, like way back in like 2014 from one of my, um, Joanna, what's that called? It wasn't internship from one of my practicum Practical. sites. Mm-hmm. And it was actually, she's not listening to this, but it was actually a supervisor <laughs> that really stressed me out, told me about HSPs. And, and I remember immediately being like, oh, so you're, you know, the cliche, like, oh, not everybody feels like this. Not everybody gets, has to like shield their eyes and plug their ears when a siren goes by. Not everybody feels distressed when they get bumped by a chair in a wrong way. I, right. And, and it's in the past couple of years, especially I've felt with more of this education and what you're talking about, this empowerment, mm-hmm. I've felt empowered to like advocate for myself in small ways. Like, Hey, can we turn this down? I'm getting a little overwhelmed. Like, mm. can we just turn this music down or, Hey, can we, can we take like just five minutes of silence? Cause I feel myself getting irritated and I, and, and like Joanna's seen me do this too, is just like, if, like if a couple things just happen at once, I, I like almost have this, like just very overwhelming, like screaming sound happen in my brain. So, and she's done wonderful with this, just kind of saying like, Oh, I, I got it. I'm taking the reins. <laughs> and my partner has had to do that too, but it's just having people in your life that just understand how the world is affecting you, mm-hmm. how, how small incidents and small noises are actually crashes and they're actually highly invasive in the way you experience them. And it's not obviously not something I'm choosing. And as someone who was just constantly told that I needed to be tougher growing up, it's just been very nice. And and also like the the how you are amplifying or exemplifying so much strength mm-hmm. as a highly sensitive person because you are equipped. And I, I love that website that you shared with us. I was looking at it earlier today, but you are more equipped than people to be able to step in and help someone who is in need because you can also sense what is off, mm-hmm. but like, okay. So if somebody is distressed in front of you, you may be able to step in and be like, you know, the lights are a little bright in here. I'll turn them down. Or the music is this, this song is like a little grating to me. So I'll turn it down and see if this feels better. So you actually are showing up strong and you're showing up present and you're showing up courageously. And it's this kind of binary we have around sensitivity and like with weakness and the whatever is on the other side of it is just it's just it's I mean it's nonsense and it's very unfair and it and it made me and I'm sure many other people feel weak for a very long time so I'm very appreciative of this whole community oh agreed yeah. oh, it's just fun to hear you guys talk about yeah. your life experiences it's, it's so fun yeah other HSPs it's oh it's really I did just take the test and I got 20 so <laughs> Um, we're quietly dancing it's it's just it's so nice to again like be validated in those things that that very quickly I feel like early in life you're like oh I this is not something to tell other people about you know like those things that you end up masking Mm-hmm. Oh, spot mm-hmm. especially in in corporate world, mm-hmm. holy moly, where all of the lights are fluorescent. Yes, not not to mention all of the surroundings and environment, right? But also the in terms of upper management, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. This is the expectation. Do better. Stop crying. Don't run off to the bathroom. To mm-mm. you need to be tougher. You need to holy moly and smile. <laughs> It's my no, thank you. Let, let's find another career that's a little bit more supportive of you. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. And I, I can see the intersection of perfectionism and just kind of creating this terrible tornado 
that maybe has been going inside of me all my life of just like never feeling like you're doing enough but doing everything and like there's a lot of thoughts going on in my head so I'm going to stop talking now well you're fine I (laughs) truly had the exact same experience when I first took that quiz so everything that you're feeling in in the reeling this is real time (laughs) yes so you're not alone in that first of all Uh, but every time I have a client take that quiz, they have the same experience. So let me just revalidate and normalize real quick. Yeah. As soon as you take that quiz and you're like, Oh, okay. So what have I not noticed in my life? What have I not, uh, had a time to, to process and explain to somebody to advocate for myself, to set boundaries, to be assertive, any of those things. Oh, got it. Okay. It's going to take a minute of maybe even a few days to look things over and then go down a rabbit hole of research and fun and have somebody to talk to about it. That's a big, big thing is making sure you've got somebody to talk and process all of, all of your life. I mean, ideally therapy, but (laughs) uh, having somebody that's supportive and willing to listen of, well, this was my childhood and this was hard. And this was my teen years. And this is why I rebelled or whatever it might be that you have someone to talk to about it. Cause man, is it a lot to unpack? Uh, was I being sensitive or was I surviving? Was I putting on a front? Was I putting on a mask? What was my thing? Man, it, it's a doozy. So yeah. take, take your time with it. And I'm glad that you're mentioning that both of you have mentioned the masking piece too, because a lot of the info that I was looking at earlier today was also dropping the the label of neurodivergency too. And I think we have we have claimed that we have justly so and correctly so claimed that um, you know the terms neurodivergent and neuroatypical. Um, but but I am thinking that it does it does fall under the categories of, of folks on the autism spectrum and folks with ADHD. But there's there's more room than just like, like, than just then a diagnosed, uh, learning disability or, you know, other than that, what have you, where it, where we have this coming in, like, there's just something different about how the brain absorbs this information. So, so even like having that word felt even more empowering, like Rachel, you were talking about really beautifully about this, just like really normal experience of just kind of wanting a diagnosis, like having this, having this function of neuro neurodivergency has actually been really, it's only been like an hour or so since I read it, but it's just, I was just (laughs) like, what a cool, what a cool switch to turn on that there is just this different and different is like used in the kindest, most loving way possible, mm. different way you're experiencing senses and not incorrectly, just with, with more <laughs> experiencing exactly. them more. Yeah. Said, that, yeah. that sounds like HSP stuff to me, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything feels like more mm-hmm. sessions as a therapist, as an HSP therapist, everything feels like more. Mm. So taking time to, to breathe and process after a, for me, a, a long day of therapy, journaling, slowing it down, having decompressed moments, going into a, a dark room and just sitting and breathing for a second is so needed. I know for me, I can't do more than four sessions a day at this point. Maybe it's pregnancy, maybe it's HSP and awareness, who knows. But knowing what your capacity is and your not just your social battery, but your energy battery, your spoons with spoon theory, if you guys are aware of spoon theory, mm-hmm. gotta know. Ooh, oh, I- no, I don't know about spoon theory. I've never oh, oh my gosh, we, we will link to the original, we'll link okay. to the original document because I think it was originally from a 2003 post, right? 
I believe so. Yeah. Um, brief psychoeducation. If I please. throw anybody off and it's incorrect, please feel free to comment and let me know and educate me in the correct way of doing things. But with spoon theory, what I understand is that if you want to think of your day with spoons, it can be balloons, it can be, I don't know, steak, whatever the heck floats your boat, that you have maybe a hundred spoons a day. And how you choose to allocate your spoons, your energy is really important. So as an HSP, I know that a day of therapy takes like 80 spoons. It is a doozy. I love my job. Don't get me wrong. I am obsessed every day. I'm just pumped to talk to people and help them out. But I know it takes 80 spoons for me. So that means I have 20 spoons from the time I wake up to the time I go to bed, which, which is not a lot of spoons, not a lot of energy to make sure that I am prepared. They have time for notes. I have time to cook dinner, spend time with my husband, wind down, journal, whatever it might be, and get myself to bed. 20 spoons, that's not a lot. So I know for me, four sessions, that's 80 spoons. If I have five sessions, y'all, I'm in the red. <laughs> yeah, That's not great. So being aware of that, knowing your, your energy battery, if you need a visual of it being a gas tank, how, how much gas are you? do you have left at the end of the day? Are you on fumes? Did you somehow magically push your car to the gas station to refuel for the night? That we got to really be mindful of that because then you're going to show up as a better person the next day if you know your energy. Does yeah. That make sense? yeah. Even like, does your car have an engine and a gas tank? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Rachel, that, that was a great way to explain yeah, it. And and like the spoons, we rely on the spoons because, you know, I think originally when the, the person who developed it, she was like explaining it to a friend and she was in a diner. So there were spoons <laughs> that she could access, pick up off the table. Okay. So, but yeah. And like, a like, just to like, kind of emphasize too, that the, you have five spoons at the end of the day, if you use them up, you're not doing, you're not going to eat. You're not going to shower. You're not going to be able to do the dishes. Like when we run out of spoons, we are done for the day. Right. So we're not just talking like, I'm going to be crabby when I'm doing this. We're talking, I I'm physically and mentally and emotionally unable to complete these tasks. So you need to, you need to really spread the spoons out very carefully and very mindfully. Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that I think is, is fun with spoon theory, at least is knowing that there's ways to technically kind of gain a couple of spoons back through self-care, through breathing, through meditation, through journaling, making sure that they're more healing skills than coping skills. And I think that's a really important distinction that a lot of people Mm. don't grasp just yet, which is cool. We're talking about it now, but there's coping skills of like video games. Yeah. You're distracted. It took your mind off it for a minute. Cool. Congrats. It makes you happy, but did it help soothe your system? Mm, Probably not. To me, video games are stressful. So for me, that'd be hyper arousal. That's not going to help anybody. You just lost more spoons. You thought you were coping, but you lost more spoons. Mm -hmm. So being aware of that, it is really important. I don't know if you guys have talked about window of tolerance uh, on here before. I think we have. Wonderful. Have we? So whatever episode that is, go yes. back and listen to it, y'all. I I, I don't remember. Uh, we've talked to a lot of I people. I think it though, was an art I... therapist we talked to who had some like a cool graphic with tolerance, but I don't, maybe I'm making that up. Oh, the art therapist. Well, we we've now mentioned it a couple times. So would you mind giving a <laughs> <Yeah>. spiel, Rachel, <laughs> about your your yeah. concept of window tolerance or how you sure talk about it? Man, this is fun. Psychoeducation day. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I, I, I'm the same way of needing a visual. So it, if we, if you guys happen to find the visual, feel free to put it in the show notes and all the things, because mm-hmm. visuals are so helpful when explaining this. So window of tolerance is when you can be open, adaptable, 
curious, somewhat quote unquote normal human bits, right? And then there's hyper arousal, which is when you're above the window, you may feel anxious, irritable, impulsive, trouble with sleep and digestion, fight or flight kind of response. And then there's hypo arousal, which is below the window. And that's when you might feel lethargic, when you want to isolate, maybe kind of depressed. Uh, again, trouble with sleep and digestion is the freeze response. And so what can happen is that if you're in hyper arousal, then that's not helping you feel adaptable and open and curious and engaged. And if you're in hypo, I mean, you're, you're struggling the same way. I'm not saying struggling of like, it's a life sentence. I'm saying in that moment, they're having a tough time. And so what you want to be trying to do is find ways to slowly, gently gain awareness. What's going on for me? How do I slowly bring myself out of hyper arousal or bring myself out of hypo arousal into that window of tolerance? So maybe that's deep breathing. If you're in hyper arousal, you're calming your nervous system. If it's hypo arousal, maybe it's going for a nice stroll outside with sunshine and fresh air. It's something to get your body moving and get you out of freeze response or something to get you out of fight or flight response. But I think the biggest thing that I learned with window of tolerance, besides just that all of that's fascinating, is that your window of tolerance can change. And so with the window of tolerance, you may, I don't know, let's say when you're five or something, you've got a really solid window of tolerance. Yay, you. Let's say parents divorce, or you're diagnosed with a chronic illness, or hmm, pandemic happens then your window of tolerance is that much smaller. It's going to shrink. And so what's difficult is having to not only do your normal regulation stuff, but now you have to do it even more because you're in more hyper or hypo arousal and it takes more time and energy to do that. So gaining that awareness ooh, takes time. Mm-hmm. But also a lot of grace with yourself of I'm aware that I'm here rather than oh, fight or flight again, oh, freeze response. It's okay, having a tough time. What's going on for me? Hmm. Got it. I'm in fight or flight. Let me calm down. <sighs> Reset my system and then go on with my day. So does that help to explain that? That was incredible. Like, yes, and you. I think that sometimes clinicians can try to explain that and it can get a little dicey. So I appreciate it. <laughs> and as, and as, and I'm thinking about this beautiful visual of just, if it's chilly out and you're hyper, you're hyper aroused, we're going to close the window a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if it's warm inside and you're hyper, hypo hypo aroused you're going to want to open the window just a crack so you can go to let in a little more of the breeze right but then if the weather weather suddenly changes like every goddamn day i'm getting a notification on my weather app that says there's a gale warning i don't know what that means it means it's windy (laughs) so if you're getting a gale warning then you're going to want to like you had said maybe maybe it's just a different day maybe there's different circumstances your window how Mm -hmm. much it's going to be open is going to change Absolutely. Thank you for listening. I live by a river. That's- <laughs> no, I love that visual of closing the window. That helps to have that visual. Yeah. And um, we did talk about it with our guest Jocelyn Fitzgerald, and she actually awesome. has a really cool Etsy shop where she has like a like a coloring page for the window of tolerance. So I'll Perfect. link that again. But if you if you want to go back and listen, it's episode 31. Um, looks really cool. Awesome. Thanks, Joanna. Okay. Hey, Rachel, well, it's been such a pleasure having you. Any yeah. final cool, wonderful nuggets of wisdom, not of a pressure on you, that you'd like to share with us <laughs> no before, we, before we wrap up? Oh, gosh. Uh, nuggets of wisdom. Oh, wow. What a load. <laughs> I have so many, man. So I, mean, I, oh, okay. Good. You're good. 
There's so many. That's the problem. Mm. Uh, if anything, I'd be happy to come on another episode and explore other things if that's yes. helpful for yeah. you. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like we could talk about HSPs for a really long time. Yeah. Oh. I think it's maybe something that I didn't interact with because I was like, that's definitely me. And I don't like I didn't have the space to do the work at that mm. point. <laughs> well, Rachel, Rachel, where can people find you on the Internet or wherever you would like them to find you? Sure. So uh, my website domain is super long because it's the only one that was available at the time. <laughs> so it's sage counseling therapy and wellness.com. It's a doozy. So sorry. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, all the platforms you can possibly think of. I just want to do a sweet shout out to my team of interns. I am obsessed with them. They are the sweetest hardworking people that I've had the joy of working with thus far. Mm -hmm. And so highly recommend for any therapists out there that need any interns. I have a way to help mentor you to get interns. You're welcome. But it, I'm obsessed with my interns and they work so hard. I just want to shout out to them because they help to have exposure and therefore get me connected with you guys and they're they're just lovely that's great. great well thank you so much Rachel I mean I think we just even scratched the surface of the things that we can talk about so I am so excited to continue having conversations with you and to reflect on this one absolutely thank you guys so much for having me I had a blast Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Whoa. Whoa. You can check us out on Instagram at TNDPod, on Twitter at TNDPod1, one is the number one, or visit our wonderful website at TNDPodcast.com. We're, we're switching up our Patreon stuff again, so <gasps> stay tuned. There's going to be cool stuff there, maybe bonus episodes, who knows? You are all so lucky. Yes, uh, like a lot. Um, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash TND podcast. Can email us questions or thoughts at therapistsnextdoor at gmail.com. You can also find the interview request form in our Instagram bio. It is closed right now, but um, you can always send us an email and let us know that you'd be interested when we open that back up again. Uh, Sarah, is there anything you'd like to plug? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess, Joanna. Let's let's see. Okay, website is teletherapywithsarah.com. Monthly blog posts for therapist business coaching. Anti-exploitative career coaching is our newest service, and it's the best. Um, also offering therapy for religious deconstruction, healing from capitalism during capitalism. We do our best. There's also a store for anti-exploitative therapy tools. They are low cost, just to account for the labor of making them, uh, but they are yours for the taking. So check that out on our website. Um, I was on a podcast a couple, like a month or so ago, Joanna, and Howard Connection. It. Yeah. Okay. It's a good great. one. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll link it. We'll be linked. Thank you. I think that's it for now, which feels nice. Uh, Joanna. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, duggies yeah. You. you can find me at orianatherapy.com. Um, I'm working towards having, you know, like building a better relationship with food and the body as part of my practice. That's coming soon. I'm very excited about that. And um, yeah, I also offer walk and talk sessions. So if you live where I live, um, and I'm not going to say what that is, I guess, let me know. We can walk and talk. It's and, so cool. And Please. find joyful movement and not punish our bodies uh, with fitness. Hallelujah. <laughs> Until next time. Love your bodies. Yes. We are your therapist, <laughs> your therapist. Next, door. next door. Nice. Bye.